She left with a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God, because she met Jesus at the well. Next one we talked about was Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a man in search of truth. He came to Jesus and he says, We know that no man could do the things you do except he be from God. And he was wanting to know what the truth was. Well, he came looking for truth and what he left with, he left with truth because he left with a relationship with God through Jesus. I mean, he was, he was trying to have a relationship with God through religion, through Judaism. And he found out through Jesus that it was he that would be the way maker for all mankind. The last one that we used was the man at the pool of Bethesda. I think most of you will remember that. Uh, he's, here's a man laying by the pool of Bethesda, and he said, this is what I want. He says, I want somebody to sit beside me, and when the angel stirs the water, that they, he will put me in the pool of water. That's what he was looking for. He didn't know that he was going to come across Jesus that day. The one that could heal his legs and put him back on his feet, change his whole life. He was looking for one thing and he found something completely different. This is, and the, the thing about it is, I put, in, I put that, the title of that was In Search of God. We read one scripture in the Bible that says no one is seeking God. As a matter of fact, I'll read it to you. Um, let's see. Uh, in Romans 3 and 11, There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. So what we found out, these people were looking for something. They were looking for something in life, and what they wound up finding is they found a relationship with God. This is one of the things that we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, as we dug into the subject of that, this is what people are looking for today. People are looking for acceptance. They're looking for happiness. They're looking for fulfillment in life. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for joy. They're looking for the meaning of life. They're looking for peace. They're looking for contentment. They're looking for all of these things, and they search for it in casinos, they search for it in relationships. They search for it in alcohol. They search for it in drugs. They search for it in, in money. They, they work and, and try to get a big bank account, and they think that at some point in time, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be content. But none of these things satisfy. None of these things. There's a, there's a hole in every human being's heart in the shape of Jesus Christ, and only He can fill that hole. That's what people are looking for. So when we were talking about that people are seeking God, understand when they're looking for all of these things, unless they find Jesus, they're not going to have happiness in this world at all. It never ceases to amaze me how Hollywood promotes the lifestyles of these famous celebrities and sports stars and then when you see them come to their death, it's because they found them in a motel room, because they overdosed on this, or they overdosed on that, or, or they've taken their own lives. And I, I'm serious. And they promote that the lifestyle that they lived was the greatest lifestyle. And uh, just it wasn't just a couple of weeks ago. They promoted this one lady 
as, as having this great singing career, and she was so popular, and she was so rich, and, and in their, their obituary or talking about her, and, and uh, she tried to take her life one time, unsuccessfully and she had gone to how many rehab centers for alcohol and then she went through a rehab center for drugs but oh my goodness everyone should desire a lifestyle like she had nowhere in that obituary did they mention Jesus or a relationship with an almighty God so I'm telling you as we look search for things so I had lined up several other sermons along this subject, but decided to change directions this morning. And I don't mind telling you, I had in the lineup the woman who was caught in adultery, brought before Jesus. And if you'll remember the story, Jesus sat down and rode in the sand. I want you to know this lady was searching for mercy, but she found a Savior. The man that was born blind, the disciples walked by and said, "What? Who, did, who sinned, this man or his, his parents? I want you to know it. Uh, this man was, was searching for something. He was, he was looking for a handout. He was looking for somebody to give him enough money in his, his little can that day that he might be able to eat. That's what he was looking for. But Jesus came along. The prodigal son, I mean, my goodness, everybody can see the picture of that. He was looking for the bright lights. He was looking for entertainment. He was looking for what money could buy. And, and he finds, winds up coming back to the Father where it all... The Father... At home, that's where everything he desired was already at, was right there at home. And uh, we find that in its relationship. But today I have titled my message, God Seeking Man. God Seeking Man. And, and, and if you think about it, if you just, I know you just got the title thrown at you, but if you start thinking about it and we go through the Scriptures, you're going to see where God has sought man many, many, many times in the Scripture. As a matter of fact, one Scripture that we read in John 6 and verse number uh, 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And this is what this is saying. I want you to know, it's God's will that none perish, but ever, that every person has eternal life. And I want you to know the only way that you can be saved is when the Holy Spirit draws you to salvation. That's the only time. So everyone in here that's ever accepted Christ as their Savior, or anybody listening that has accepted Christ, I want you to know it's not that you sought the Lord, it's that the Lord came and sought you. He came for you. So when we start looking in Scripture in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9, we see that God is seeking after Adam and Eve. They have sinned. They're hiding in the garden. And the, the Scripture says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said uh, unto him, Where art thou? Now, let me ask you. Could, was Adam playing hide and seek with God and God didn't know where he was hiding? No, not at all. God knew exactly where he was. I want you to know that was for Adam's benefit. Adam, where are you? He said, well, here, here I am. I, I didn't want you to see me naked. Who told you you were naked? And uh, God was seeking after Adam. After Adam sinned, God came after Adam. Adam did not run to God and say, God, God, I sinned. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. That's not how it happened at all. Adam was hiding from God. And I want you to know that's what all of mankind has done. All of mankind wants to hide from God with their sin. 
but God came seeking. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. We need to understand the reason that Jesus came and died on the cross. He came and died on the cross so that all men might be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the reason that Jesus come. He came to seek and to save that which, what, that which was lost. In Ezekiel 34 and 11 it says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both seek my sheep and seek after them. Every time the nation of Israel, as we read in the Old Testament, every time the nation of Israel would stray away from God, what would God do? God would go after them. They never, ever came back to God on their own. God would send a judgment to get them in a bad place so that they would turn from their wicked ways. And it was because God sent that to have them turn. God desires to have a relationship with every single person in this room. God has a desire to have a relationship with every single person in the world today. That's what God has a desire to do. So I want you to know God is seeking man. God is seeking man. We read in the, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18 and verse 12. I'll not read it, but it talks about the parable of the 99 sheep and the one sheep, and the one sheep that is missing. What does the parable talk about? How he leaves the 99 and goes to find the one. And I'll promise you, if you're that one, God is still seeking after you. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, God is seeking after you even today. We know of many places in the Bible where God sought after man to fulfill, to fulfill a particular task. Again, we're talking about seeking, God seeking us. You go back in Genesis, you'll read about, or, or Exodus, you read about Moses' encounter with the burning bush. Did Moses go out on the mountainside to seek God? No. God came to the bush, that bush was on fire, Moses is over here and... God was burning this bush and it was not being consumed to attract Moses. And Moses came and said, Moses, I've got a job for you to do. God sought Moses for that job. If you'll remember, David is in the field keeping sheep. And uh, Solomon, uh, Samuel, thank you, I heard somebody say it. Samuel came and was going to anoint a king out of Jesse's family. But David was out in the field, and he looks at all the boys, and he says, no, this, there ain't none of them here, there's one. Well, I got one little old ruddy boy out there in the field keeping sheep. Well, let him come. What does he do? God sends Samuel to anoint David's head with oil because you're going to be... David, I am picking you out. God sought him out to have him do that. Samson, we're on uh, Wednesday nights. Well, that's, what, that's the character or the man that we're talking about on Wednesday nights right now, we're in the middle of Samson's life, how God called Samson, his mama and daddy, the, the angel of the Lord, Jesus, came and he told his Samson's mama, he said, listen, you're going to have a child. I know you've been barren all your life, but you're fixing to have a child in your old age. He is going to rescue the nation of Israel from the Philistines. Oh, my goodness. Sought them out. Called Samson. If you'll remember Paul on the road to Damascus. God stopped Paul, and, and or Jesus stopped Paul, and he says, Who are you? Why are you persecuting me? 
He says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus. And he'd done that. And he says, I want you to know, Paul, I am sending you as an apostle to the Gentiles. I've got a purpose for you. That's exactly what he done. If you'll remember in the Gospels as Jesus is on the earth and he calls his 12 disciples. You can read the incidents as he goes to the seashore and he calls these men. God is seeking these men. Here, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew, stop collecting taxes. I want you to come follow me. We're going he, he chose 12 men for that purpose. So God, I want, we need to understand that God seeks out men and women to be in His service. So this is what I want us to focus on. I want us to look at one individual this morning that God calls out from the, among the nation of Israel to confront the spiritual leaders of that day. His name is Ezekiel. Look in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30 if you would. Ezekiel Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30. And let me kind of give you a heads up what's going on here. Ezekiel is... He's about 25 years old. And uh, when God calls him to be a prophet of God, he's a teenager when the nation of Babylon comes to Israel and they take them captive and they travel them 900 miles away from Jerusalem over to the country of Babylon. And, and they're doing this because God's brought a judgment against Israel because they won't stop serving idols. They won't stop serving false idols and false gods. So God brings a judgment and He tells them, I'm bringing this judgment against you for 70 years. They knew exactly the timeline. Their, you might call it their prison sentence, their discipline, uh, their chastisement for serving false gods. So they've been brought. Ezekiel is about 13 years old when he was taken from his homeland and now he's living in, a, in the land of Babylon along this river and God, when he's 25 years old, God says, Ezekiel, I need somebody. I need a man. I'm looking for a man to go and speak to the leaders of the nation of Israel, the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel. Look what it says here in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30. This is God speaking. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. God is looking for a man that will stand up, stand in the gap for the nation of Israel. And he says, I, I sought for a man and I found none. Now flip back to Ezekiel chapter 13. I want us to understand what he is saying here when he is seeking for a man to stand in the gap. Now, let me tell you, uh, we're not in Israel. Uh, we don't have sheep. We don't have vineyards. Okay, we don't have any of that around us. When they say, when, Jesus, or when God is talking to Ezekiel and he says, I need somebody to stand in the gap, I don't know if there anybody in here has ever ever filled the gap. Uh, I don't know that anybody has ever had a vineyard that had a gap in it 
that you had to repair. So uh, I want you to understand that when David, or when God says this to Ezekiel, Ezekiel understood every single word that he said. And I want to make sure that we understand this. So listen to what it says in uh, chapter 13 and verse number 1. Now it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, talking about Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy and say unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the gaps, there's the word gap again, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. This is what he's saying. Now listen to what he, who he's talking to. He says, now listen Ezekiel, I want you to go and you talk to the prophets and the priest and the, the leaders of the nation of Israel because this is what these leaders are doing. These leaders are standing up and they're saying, Thus saith the Lord, and the Lord is saying, I haven't spoke to them. He says, you've got a bunch of prophesiers, you've got a bunch of priests that are lying to the people. Because this is what they're supposed to be doing. And see, this is where he describes, he says, man, you've got a bunch of foxes running around. What in the world does that mean? You, you, you know, and I, I was wondering why he uses foxes. If you go back and you read in the book of Judges about Samson and one of the things Samson does, do you realize it says he caught 300 foxes? That's a bunch of foxes. So it's pretty obvious that there's lots of foxes in this community or in this territory. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, O Israel, thy prophets are like the foxes in the desert. This is what they would do in that day. They would build a, or they would plant a vineyard. And most of us understand that a grape vineyard is put up on, on stilts or stalks. They, they put these stakes in the ground and they build these, these towers for them, the vines to crawl up, and then the grapes begin to produce, and the grapes hang down off of these vines that are lifted up off of the ground. And what would happen is the foxes... Foxes love grapes. And if the foxes got into the grapes, not only did they destroy the fruit, but in the process of them destroying and eating the fruit, they would tear down the vines. So if you wanted a vineyard that was productive, what you had to do, they would sometimes build high rock fences around the vineyard. Matter of fact, when you look in the Old Testament, you see where... He gives an example, and he talks about building a fence around, around the vineyard. But most people, not able to afford to build a fence, they would put up hedges. Now, we know what a hedge is. An old hedge bush out, grows out, and, and it's real, got lots of limbs on it. Well, that's basically what this was. They would, they would plant a vineyard, and they would put a hedge row all the way around the vineyard to protect it from the foxes or the wildlife that might come in there and rob or tear up the vines 
to keep them from being able to produce. So this was what they would do. They would plant a hedge. Do you remember what the Bible talks about in Job chapter 1 and verse 10? This is Satan having a conversation with God, and Satan says, Hast thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. This is what Satan was complaining about. He said, God, I would love to go over there and tempt Job, but you've got this hedge around him. I can't even penetrate the hedge. I can't get into it at all. You've got this hedge around him. I mean, that was a good hedge. So what he's saying about the nation of Israel here, he says, listen, I need somebody, this hedge that is around my vineyard, talking about the nation of Israel, this hedge that is around my vineyard has some gaps in it. And these foxes are coming in and they're devouring my people. Well, you know who the foxes are? What did the scripture say? The prophets, the priests, they're coming in and they're sneaking in and they're devouring the very people that God is trying to bless. He says, you go prophesy against those prophets and you tell them they are not filling in the gaps. Oh my goodness. Mark will understand this statement. I want you to know your pastor is here to protect you and to fill in the gaps so that the enemy doesn't come in and destroy us. This is what you would do to fill in the gaps. You would go find those old thorny trees You'd find, you'd walk around that hedge and you'd find a whole eye. I could see where this fox has been slipping in and going under this hedge. And you would go find you an old thorny bush and you'd cut that limb off and you'd stick that limb up into that gap. So the next time that little fox tried to come in and get in, you stopped him. All he'd run into is thorns. And he says, listen, I have, I have got a group of men that are supposed to be prophesying in the name of the Lord and they're not. They're coming in and destroying the people. And I want you to know the Scripture warns us about that. The day is coming when men and women will want to only hear what they want to hear. And I want you to know there's going to be preachers out there that will preach only what you want to hear. And they're not protecting their people. The foxes are coming in and destroying the people. God says, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a man that will stand in the gap. I'm looking for men and women who are willing to spread the gospel. I'm, I'm, willing, I'm looking for a man who's willing to stand up and stand on the morals that the Bible teaches about and stand even when the times are tough, when it's, when it's talking about a moral issue that the world accepts but God doesn't accept. It's time for us to make a stand. Stand in the gap and protect our family, protect our church, protect our people. And God is saying, I looked for a man to stand in the gap and I found none. Now, Ezekiel, I need you to go in, and I need you to talk to ones that I, that I should be able to depend on. I need you to go talk to them, and I need you to tell them that they need to stand in the gap. 
looking for a man. John chapter 10 and verse 10. We're talking about the foxes. I want you to know the enemy is out there seeking and like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That includes you and me. In John chapter 10 and verse 10 it says, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what the thief, the thief, it talks about. It names him in that scripture, little calls him Satan. I want you to know we all have an enemy. We have an enemy that wants to destroy our faith. I, the Bible talks about that is what the purpose of the church is. I, I, I encourage everyone to come and attend church. I encourage everyone to come and attend Sunday school. Because what you're going to find when we teach in Sunday school and when we teach in church and we teach on Sunday nights and we teach on Wednesday nights, what we're teaching, we're teaching what that piece of wood is or that, that thorn that, that you can stick in the gap. I want you to know this right here will protect your soul. This will protect your family. This will protect everything there is to know about. This is what it is. God's Word. That's why we teach it. That's the most important thing that we can do as a church, not only to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ for salvation through the gospel, but to teach the people. The Great Commission in, 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 uh, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, Go ye therefore into all the world, teach, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. In other words, that is what we're to do. We're to spread the gospel that people might be saved. And then we're to teach them the Word of God, making disciples. That's the purpose of our church. The purpose of our church is to plug those gaps where the enemy is coming in to destroy and to deceive. And I have to tell you, that's not necessarily an easy task to do. Sometimes you have to make hard decisions. This is one of them. I kind of asked the question, I said, why, why were the priests and the prophets that were put in place to protect the people and the people who were put in place to make up the hedge why, what, what were those people doing that they were not being successful? So when you continue to look in the Scriptures, I hope that you are got your Bibles. Turn back to Ezekiel chapter 22 again. Ezekiel chapter 22. My goodness, this, is, uh, this was written some 600 years before Christ. So Christ was 2,000 years ago. So we're talking about 2,500 years ago. And do you realize when I read this scripture, I see this scripture applying to us even today. 2,500 years, the same thing has taken place today in our society as was taking place in the days of Ezekiel. Look what it says in, in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 23. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, So this again is God speaking to Ezekiel, Son of man, saying to her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. Now here it is, verse 25. There is 
conspiracy of her prophets, talking about the nation of Israel, in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion, ravaging the prey, they have devoured souls, they have taken the treasure and precious things, and they have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Now, I, I have to paint a picture for me, okay? You may not need this picture. I'm painting this picture for me. So I've, I, I've got this vineyard over here. I've got this hedge around it. And what I realize is these foxes are coming and going as they will through my hedge, and there's nobody there to stop them. And inside my vineyard, when I get inside my vineyard and I begin to look, I see vines hanging on the ground. I see grape clusters devoured. I, 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 see, I see the, 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 the stalks, they're, they're tore down. And when I see this picture, Wayne Bickley, as a pastor in 2023, when I look inside my vineyard and I see this, what I see is the devil getting in through this hedge and he's devouring families and he's devouring lives and he's devouring individuals. And when I look at this vineyard, that's who he's calling the, the nation of Israel. They're being devoured and they're being devoured by the very people that are supposed to be protecting them. In other words, he's saying, listen, the prophets are coming in and they're saying, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt give your money to me. I, I have got a special today. If you want a sliver of the cross, it'll save your life. Here, send me $5 and I will send you a little sliver of the cross. And then you get in the mail a thing that looks like a toothpick. It can't be a toothpick. It's got to be a sliver of the cross. Here, send me your money and, and I will send you a little bit of water that came out of the Jordan River. Send me your money and I will send you a rag that I've anointed with oil. And, and we're going to pray over and it's going to change your life. These little old prophets are going in under these and nobody is stopping them. People are falling for that nonsense just hand over fist and they're coming and they're being devoured. I'm telling you, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ through your word and a prayer life will change your life. But you've got to stop falling for these gimmicks. Because I'm here to tell you that's what they are. They're gimmicks. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, the prophets and the priests are feeding and feasting on the riches and the treasures of the nation. They're not holding back. They're not holding back. Look what it, look what it says in that next verse. In verse number 26. Her priests have violated my law and have performed... And profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane, neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey, to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. Again, he's talking about the religious leaders. They no longer recognize that the things that are holy are holy. Here, let's, let's just push the pews back, put a disco ball here in the middle, put a little couple of kegs up here, and our attendance will increase. Because we're, we're doing what the people want. 
That's exactly what he's saying. He says, y'all don't even honor the Sabbath day anymore. Y'all make the Sabbath day just like any other day. It's just a day to make money. It's just a day to go and corral. It's a day to spend with your family. But do, you've, you've totally took it out of the hands of the Lord. That's what he's saying. My, I, I was thinking about... They don't recognize the Sabbath. I, I, I wrote these things down. God would love for us to be as committed to Him as we are to our phones. God would love for us to be as committed to Him as we are to our social media. God would love for us to be as committed to Him as we are to our video games. God would love for us to be as committed to Him as we are to our TV or our Facebook or our entertainment or our sports or our jobs or our family. God would love for us to commit to Him as much time as we commit to those things. But see, what we've done is we've, we've set a little bitty corner over here for the Lord and, and we do the rest of our things and, and we don't honor Him like He is the Savior of the world. We don't honor Him like He died so that you might have eternal life. We don't honor Him that way. We're too afraid we're going to hurt somebody's feelings or we're going to, we're going to miss out on a little fun. I, I saw somebody put this on a church sign the other day. They put on the church sign, it says, 0.02% of kids that play sports will ever make the majors. 100% of your children will stand before God in judgment. Take your kids to church. So much truth in that. So much truth in that. God is looking for a man that will stand in the gap. Here's a scripture that we find in 2 Timothy. It says, For the time will come, I believe we are in that time, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I take the responsibility that Soda Baptist Church has given me here to be the pastor seriously. And I'd rather hurt your feelings than see you go to hell. And, and the time has come when it uses the word men in this scripture. I don't, I don't want to, I'm not dividing the sanctuary here. God's looking for mankind, men and women in our society today that will make a stand and tell people that Jesus loves them that Jesus came and He died on the cross and He shed His blood for your sins. That He died and that He rose again three days later. And Him rising, what that means for me and you, that when we commit our lives to Him and believe by faith that that's what He's done, that, that gives us eternal life also. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish or shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's why Jesus came. Listen, I am warning, I am warning us. Watch out for the foxes that are coming to take your family and to devour your vineyard, which represents your family, your community, your church. Our enemy desires that. Let's keep our focus on who Jesus Christ is. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see how God has called men to stand in the gap for other people. I've got a list. I won't use them all, but I've got a list of about six or seven men that God calls to stand in the gap for people who are being destroyed. And we'll look at some of those and use those as a challenge to you and me. I want you to know this morning, uh, my prayer is if people desire to reject Jesus Christ and go to hell, make them step over our bodies as they go because we won't stay out of their way because we want to keep telling them about Jesus Christ. Make them go around us. Make them shun us. Make them push us out of the way because that's where they're going without Jesus. Let us be the ones that fill in those gaps and keeps the enemy away. Let's stand together as I pray. Father, again, I just come to you thanking you for the time that we're able to come together. What a great...